church and worship. We brought David Ruiz in a few weeks ago. Um, I've been speaking on it um, my last several talks for like the last month. And we just feel like God is really blessing us through worship right now. And as I was preparing uh, for my sermon last night, you know, I thought about, man, there's a lot kind of on our plate right now with uh, just a lot of stress and different things. And I was thinking about a creative way to, with non-guilt to influence you to give money or something like that. And I felt like the Lord just said, it's clear as day. And I don't hear from the Lord a lot. And it wasn't audible or anything. It's kind of an impression. He just said, you know, he says, if, if, if you'll just worship me, if you just worship me, I'll take care of the details, Antley. And it just really it kind of caught me off guard. And I, I uh, you know, turned on my iTunes. And, uh, and just I, literally the whole talk as I was preparing, I was just listening to worship and worshiping the Lord as I felt led. I'd stop at different times. And uh, it just confirmed that we're still in this season of worship, even though David's come and gone, and, and uh, we felt like we were coming, coming out of it, uh, just Lex, Paul, and I really feel like, as we've talked about this in our staff, is that we need to stay in this place. And, and, and it's difficult, because on any given Sunday, it would be easy to try to, to, try to it would be easy to worship God uh, with the right motives and the right heart, and, uh, and miss God, if, if we're not doing what he wants us to do. I mean, it would have been fine in my mind, and maybe yours, if I would have done a sermon on giving today or, or, or on the needs of our church or whatever, uh, but, but we, we probably would have missed what God had for us in worship. And I think that on any given Sunday, there are things we have to leave out. We have to choose to leave certain things out because we can't do it all. It'd be like a three-ring circus. I mean, we'd move from, you know, we could do worship for 45 minutes, or then we could do testimonies for 30 minutes or 15 minutes, and we'd, do a, we'd talk, we could do baptisms, we could do um, communion, which we're doing today, we could go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, trying to fill up an hour and a half and just and miss everything that God has for us. And so t- today, in an effort to promote this theme of worship, believing that God will take care of the difference, um, we're going to have the talk first, and then hopefully you'll be itching to respond and worship. And we do this at night all the time. We, just, we mix it all the time up at night. And we've been doing this for the last several weeks at night. We always we do the talk and we respond in worship. And today that's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk about worship. And worship that is pleasing to God. And the idea that, as a church, it's possible for us to worship in a way that doesn't please God. Let me say that again. I'm going to talk about and begin today with the idea that you can worship God. You can try to worship God with the right motives. You can read the Bible. You can sing worship songs. You can do everything that you think is supposed to be in worship and still miss and worship him in a way that is not pleasing to him. And the result is, we come to church, we go on this journey together, and we leave having not been changed. We leave having not experienced God's power, his love, his transformation, his relationship, his intimacy with us that he desires. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is the consuming fire because it's possible that us broken sinners being led by the Holy Spirit can bring worship that is acceptable to God you better believe and know this truth as well it is possible for us a saved group of sinners with the right motive with a great effort to bring worship to God, 
that he is not pleased with, that is not acceptable to him. We read it all through the Bible. We read it all through the Bible. People with good intention missing the worship that the Father desires. And the result is we don't experience life in our worship to God. We don't experience renewal in our worship to God. It's the reason that 60% of the Western churches are on the decline. Because people need faith, need experience with God that is real, that is going to impact their life, that is going to transform their mind, it's going to transform their heart, it's going to change their circumstance. They need that. And when they go to churches that are going through the right orders and trying to do the right things and not connecting with God, they're not pleasing God. And the consequence of that is death. Because God is love, God is life, God is, he he naturally will bring those things when we are worshiping him. It naturally happens. And when it's not happening, it's because our worship is not pleasing to him. And so our goal every week at River City Church is to worship the Lord in a way that pleases him. And today is no different. And when we do this, lots of amazing things happen in the church and in us. So today I want to run through some of the experiences. I want to run through some of the the things that should be happening to us as a church and as individuals as we worship God in a way that is pleasing to him. And then we're going to go, we're going to worship him. And we're going to try to worship him in a way that's pleasing to him. Last service was amazing. It was amazing. People doing backflips off the rails and jump. I mean, it, no, we weren't doing that. But um, it was amazing. People responded to God in an amazing way. You know, yeah, so... What are some of the things that when we worship God in a genuine way, when we worship God in a way that, that blesses him, that is pleasing to him, what are some of the things that we should expect? And if they're absent, then we should question, is our worship pleasing to God? Well, the first one is, is that when we worship God and he's pleased, that we will delight in him, that we will love him more. We will desire him more. We will, we will long for his presence in our life more. We'll desire to spend time individually with him more. That we will become consumed with his kingdom and think less and less of ours. David says this in Psalm 1611. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence, when we enter into God's presence, and that's what happens in worship. When we enter into God's presence, there is fullness of joy, a fullness of joy. We are filled with joy. When we enter into God's right hand, pleasures forevermore. Tons of pleasure. Joy and pleasure. You know, and, and the odds are, if you're not experiencing those dynamics in worship consistently, you're probably not worshiping God in a way that pleases him. I'm going to talk about, well, worship's not supposed to be about us. I'm going to talk about that, so just settle down, all right? Simmer down, all right? The second thing, King Asaph says in Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing upon earth that I desire besides you. As we engage God, as we worship God, not only does our desire for him increase, but our hunger for the world decreases. Our hunger for the world lessens. What is there on earth that I care about? So, I mean, imagine... Like when you get to heaven, do you think you're going to worry about how much money's in your bank account? Do you think when you get to heaven that you're going to worry about, like, well, boy, I wonder if my kids are going to go out and drink tonight or have sex tonight. 
Do you think that when you get to heaven, you're going to worry about, you know, X, Y, and Z? You fill in the blank? No. You're not going to worry about any of those things. Well, I'll tell you, when we engage in worship and experience the presence of God, we are experiencing the same presence of God that we will experience in heaven. And so in worship, when we are worshiping God in a way that pleases him, we encounter his presence. And that's my next point, is that we draw near to God. When we encounter his presence, the consequence of that in our life is that we desire the world less. The worries of the world just are left. They don't go away, maybe, but they don't bother us like they would or like they normally do. The anxiety, the stress, all that stuff is gone in worship. And we've, we've experienced some of that. We've heard testimonies of that on a regular basis at River City Church. So one sign to us that we are worshiping God in a way that pleases him is that our desire for him increases. And we see this in the, in the early church. We see the, the, the church in Acts assembling together regularly to praise and to worship God. And God adds to their numbers. He, take care, he takes care of their anxieties. He takes care of their problems. They don't go away, but he's with them. And there's great joy. And then we see just after Jesus dies, what, the very next thing that you find the disciples doing is that they were continually in the temple, quote, blessing God after he ascended. But Antley, worship's not about us. It's about God. Yes, but certainly when we are encountering the living God, we should be changed. Our lives should be affected. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. We don't enter into worship so we will feel better. We don't enter into worship so that our needs will be met. We don't enter into worship because I'm sad and I want to be happy. Or because my life's crap and I want it to be good. That's not why we enter into worship. We enter into worship to worship God. But the, the result of that to some degree, should be that we would be changed. We would be changed. And if we're not, then something's off. I think people who say, who say that, that worship's about God, that's not about your experience, are not worshiping in a way that is pleasing God. Therefore, God is not manifesting his love and his blessings through his Holy Spirit, and people are leaving unfulfilled And they have to make excuses why that is because they're doing the best that they can, best that they've been told. They're going through the ritual every Sunday, every Sunday, and either their church is dying, their life is staying the same, and they're saying, I just have to keep doing this, I just have to keep doing this, I just have to keep doing this. No, you don't. No, you don't. If that is your experience of worship consistently and your life is not changing, you're not worshiping the same God that I am. Life is too painful, life is too hard, life is too messy to worship a God that doesn't give a rip, to worship a God that doesn't pour out his love on us and bless us when we bow before him. That's crazy. And shame on you if you've settled for that and you've said that to someone. That is a lie. Worship aimed at God that is pleasing to God, should manifest his glory in and through you as you are the kingdom of God in you, present, the glory of Christ. Manifested to other people is not dead, is not lifeless, is not boring. When we worship God, our 
It's amazing that our head doesn't, like, fly off. It is, considering what is happening in worship. Okay, the second thing that should happen when we worship God is that not only do we increase our delight in God, but God delights in us. Yes, when you worship in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, you will bless him and bring him pleasure. Hmm? What? What did you say? You're telling me, Antley, that the creator of the universe, who's sovereign, who has everything, that I can bring something to him that pleases him? That's what the Bible says. I talked about last Sunday night. I'm going to talk about it on Easter Sunday. That's exactly why we were created. We were created for one purpose, and that is to worship the Lord. And when we worship him in a way that pleases him, it brings pleasure to him. It glorifies him. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. And that's why you exist. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to unpack that. What does it mean in the Bible when it says he ministered to the Lord? He blessed the Lord. What does that mean? It's central to who we are in Christ. And I'm going to talk about that at Easter. So you have to come next week. There you go. All right. The the third thing that happens, and this is the last thing I'm really going to unpack. There's a few other things, but this is the last thing, and this is really the thrust of what I'm going to talk about today, is that when we worship God in a way that's pleasing to him, we draw near to God. We experience him. That is the greatest testimony that we are pleasing God, because you can't work that up. You know, it's easy to build a church that's big. It's easy to go through the motions every day and do the Christian things. But you can't make the Holy Spirit come and visit, can you? You can't. You can't make somebody's leg grow if you just want it real bad, can you? God's got to show up. So when we are worshiping God, one of the telltale signs, one of the things that we know we are, when we are worshiping God is that, that we draw near to him, that we experience his presence and his love in power, in physical ways, in emotional ways, in spiritual ways. We experience God's love in those ways. The Old Testament, God's people could only draw close to God and ex- or experience his presence in a limited way through temple ceremonies. And God desired this, and he set up a system, but they were limited in how they could experience God. Most worshiping Jews could not even enter the temple, but had to stay in the courtyard. Even the priests could not go into the courtyard or the holy place until there was their anointed time to go. And then there was, inside the courtyard, there was the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence was manifested in a tangible way when the high priest would go once a year and bring atonement for the nation of Israel. Israel. Israel? Anyway, Israel. And so, so get this. So this priest would bring the sins of Israel to, into the, the, the Holy of Holies and the way that the priests would know if God forgave them was by experience. He would experience God's power. To the degree, it would kill some of them. And they had to tie a rope to their leg and drag them out if they died. Imagine that job. You know, first of all, you know, like, it's like time for elections of the, of the priest. And you're like, I don't know if I want the high priest job. Because you know... You're going to have to go into the Holy of Holies. And, and, and you know, you're suiting up 
and you're getting ready to go into the Holy of Holies, and there's a part of you that's excited that you're going to experience God, kind of, but there's just something being taken away from it because of the rope they're tying on your ankle in case you die. Let me see that slide, trip. I want to show people what we're talking about here. This, this is the picture of Herod's temple, which is the rebuild of Solomon's temple after it was destroyed. And eventually Herod's temple was destroyed in 72 AD by the Romans completely. And um, the, 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 the width of it this way is 1,000 feet. It's just over three football fields, right? And then it's 1,500 feet this way. Is that five football fields? Is that right? I was thinking last night it was 10 football fields and 15 in my delirium at one in the morning while I was working on this. Anyway, and so I said that this morning and pretended like I knew that I was wrong. So you guys, I got it right. So it's one, one way is, is five football fields, and the other way is about three and a half or whatever, three football fields, let's say. That's a, that's a lot. That's a big distance. And so you hear, seeing these outer courts, the court of the Gentiles, that's where like most people, unclean people, non-Jews would hang out, people that were ceremonially unclean. That's where most people were. That's why it's so big. That's why it's so big, okay? And so you can just see from there to the Holy of Holies that this is, you know, that's probably like a couple football fields away. And, you're, and, and they're trying to worship God in, this, in these seasons of, of worship, okay? And then you have the next closer people are the Jewish women. They have a special little court right there in the back, still a couple football fields away, but it's set aside for Jewish women. And then you have the court of Israel, which is the front of the women, but not all the way to the altar or the holy place. See the altar in between? That's where people would bring their sacrifices. They'd bring those right to that altar right there where it says altar, that big square thing. It was massive. There was like stairs up to it and everything. And that's where the men of Israel would hang out. And the boys had been circumcised and they're part of the nation. And then you have this building in the back. It's the holy of, that's the holy place, okay? And that's where certain priests would get to go whenever there's their time to go there. But then inside the holy of holies, there was a separate chamber. I mean, inside the holy place, there was a separate chamber called the Holy of Holies. And what separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies was this massive, huge curtain of beads. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't a curtain of beads. You think Jesus was a hippie from the 60s. No, it was, it was this huge, massive, I mean, wider than this room, tapestry, thickly sewn tapestry that separated the presence of God when he would come and everyone else because it would kill him. So it has to be pretty heavy duty. And that veil is what basically separated God from the people because they were limited and they couldn't handle it. And so you can imagine how difficult it's been before Jesus came to worship God in a way that was real, that brought life because there's all this separation and they didn't even have the Holy Spirit. They're just going on like what the Old Testament said. They're just doing the best effort they could. They're going through the motions. And they were learning religion. And they were being led by the law to the best that they could. What is Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene. What happens to the veil? It's torn forever. And we now, as a result of that, of that action, are now face to face with God where the high priest would be. We are now welcome. I mean, we've all been in stadiums and felt the frustration of not being near the field, haven't we? Unfortunately, lots of us have been in churches and we haven't, we've been frustrated because we've been separated from the presence of God. 
because of ritual, because of religion, because of the law, because of legalism. God desires to draw face to face. He desires for our worship to be in his presence. The author of Hebrews says this in chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The translation is the holy of holies. Some translations will say that. That's what they're talking about. Since we have confidence to enter the, the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain of the tearing of the veil. That is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So as believers in the New Testament, in the new covenant, the new promise of God as Jesus ushered that that in, genuine worship is in the presence of God himself. This is not a warm-up. When you come to worship the Lord, it's not a warm-up of what it will be like in heaven. Jesus has torn the veil. When we worship God this morning together, we are worshiping him in his presence in the same way that we will be in his presence in heaven. There is no difference. That's what the, that's what the author is telling us here. The separation is no longer because we have been made righteous and cleansed by the blood of Christ, sprinkled clean, our bodies washed pure, so it allows us to be in God's presence. Well, there's not like God's presence in heaven and God's presence on earth. There's God's presence. And when we worship God in a real way, we are in his presence. This, this, is, this is the crazy part right here. This is what's going to blow your mind. Your ears might fall off, but that's okay. Jesus put them back on, and so will I. Here we go. This is what the author of Hebrews says. He takes it another step. For you have not come, this is in chapter 12. For you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. Those are all the three things that existed. He's referring to the worship that was occurring at Mount Sinai. The burning bush, a blazing fire, the darkness, the gloom and the tempest. All of those things existed for the nation of Israel when they worshiped in the Old Testament. He's saying, you don't, that's not how you come to the Lord now. But you have come to Mount Zion, the Lord's place, okay, the Lord's hell, the Lord's city, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, what's the heavenly Jerusalem? The new Jerusalem. It's heaven, isn't it? That's where we're coming. That's where we're worshiping God. That's the presence of God we're experiencing. And to innumerable angels and festival gathering. And to the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the reality of what, of what worship is when we get together or when you're in the New Testament. And you're a part of that in this new covenant. After the separation, the reality is that we are actually Worshiping God with, with the angels in heaven, in his presence. We are worshiping God with the angels and the people who have gone before us, the spirits of righteous men made perfect. And we're worshiping with Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 
and crazy animals in Revelation it talks about, like they have eyes like everywhere and stuff and, and wings and all kinds of craziness. When we engage this morning in worship, when we engage in worship this morning, we are in the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, we are in the presence of God. And we are worshiping, when we worship this morning, with all the angels of heaven, with the elders around the throne, with, the, with, with all of what's in heaven, the saints who have gone before, of us, before us, we worship in unison with them this morning when we engage in worship. That's what happens when we worship. That's what will happen this morning when we worship. That we will be experiencing the presence of God. And because we can't see it, it's difficult, isn't it? Yet, if we believe what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches, and at River City Church, we believe every word of it. We love the Bible. I hope you have one. We, we love the Bible. We're big advocates of it. And we, 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 we teach it and we follow every word. We believe every word's true. And if we believe that, if we believe that that's true, then we have to believe, and we have to believe and worship God in realization that what is unseen is much greater and more powerful and more important than what is seen. Because we know what is seen will burn up. What is seen will burn up. And so when we engage God in worship that is pleasing to him, we draw near to God and we realize we are in the Holy of Holies. We are in the presence of God with Jesus Worshiping with angels, with crazy animals, with the elders, with the saints who have gone before us. I mean, imagine your conversations when you get home. Hey, honey, how was worship? You know, it was great again, but freaking Moses, he's singing out of tune again. I just couldn't focus. Or that Zacchaeus guy, you know, it's like he's singing so loud, up trying to compensate for something. I mean, that's who you're worshiping with. When we sing today, you will be worshiping in unison with heaven. It says, you know, just in the beginning of chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw out this, let's throw out that and run the race. Well, what are the witnesses? It's like the picture of, it's like a stadium of those who've gone before us, the saints who've gone before us, who've been made righteous. That's what Hebrews tells us. We sing with Paul today, with Peter, with John, with the disciples, with Mary, with the people that God has redeemed. The people that God has redeemed, we worship in unison in his presence because they are in his presence worshiping in heaven. We are in his presence worshiping on earth. It's all the same because we are in his presence. You get it? That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Right now in his presence, the holy of holies, this church right now filled with angels, saints who have gone before us, Chomping at the bit. And we finish your talk so we can worship the Father. Excited about worshiping the Father. Waiting to empower us with the Spirit to worship the Father. Jesus beside us worshiping his Father. That's what, that is what exists in the unseen realm right now. How freaking awesome is that? That's amazing. That's like, I told you, you feel like your head's like taking off. And stuff. You're probably you want to get ready to worship, baby. Oh, I'm ready to go. Anyway, well, we're going to worship in just a minute. Here's some other things that happen, and I'm not going to teach on them now. I'm going to teach on one of them next week. But God draws near to us. It says when we go draw near to Him, He draws near to us. God ministers to us when we worship Him. He ministers. He heals. He transforms. We've had all kinds of things happen in the middle of worship. 
just in worship. People have been healed. Just no prayer ministry, not asking God to do anything, worshiping, and God heals. God transforms our hearts, our minds, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Healing comes. God ministers to us when we bless him, when we worship him. I don't know why and how, but it just happens. And we experience that on a regular basis in our church. Just after the first service, a dude comes up to me. Lee, I don't know what happened today. I'm worshiping, and all of a sudden, I just feel God's presence in my hands. Like, I'm just tingling all over. I'm like, that's awesome. I've never had that happen. I want it to happen. That'd be awesome. How comforting, how encouraging would that be? He's just filled with joy. Just filled with joy. And God ministers to us in those ways. And the last thing that happened, not the last thing, one of the other things, is that the Lord's enemies flee. And this is really the last thing I want to teach on just briefly. But we read about in the Old Testament God's enemies falling and fleeing when, when, when people would worship. And I think that we really, one of the most underrated forces or offensive weapons that we have in our desire to forward the kingdom of God, to bring light where there's darkness, is worship. I don't think that we think of worship that way. But God did, and God does. Again, last night, I'm thinking, you know, our staff isn't going to get paid in a month unless money comes in. How can I work this angle without using guilt and convince people this? And God literally says to my heart, Antley, just worship me. Just worship me. Again, what I said is I turn on my, I just turn on, and I worship throughout the night. I got home like at 2.30 in the morning, and it was just like the process took way longer than it normally did. I was just able to engage in God. I would write some, I would worship some, I'd write some, worship some. God just was ministering to me as I was doing the work of the kingdom. And his desire, his desire is to get the glory. And he gets the glory when we don't have clever plans. We don't have great financial strategies necessarily. We should be wise and we should plan. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, though, when you read Scripture, the way God does battle is not normal. I mean, you have, this is the scenario. You're getting ready to go out and conquer Babylon. Like a big, big, big place, okay? Or one of these big nations. And you have all the dudes with the shields and the swords and the spears and the big balls with the metal spiky things on them. And all those things. And they're lined up, these big, tall dudes. And all of a sudden, the commander... Turns around and he says, all right, where are my singers, my harp players? We're going to put you in front of the people with all the weapons. That's what they did. That's what happened. And we read about God having victory when they began to sing, when they began to worship, when they began, when these, I mean, imagine the soldiers like, oh, my gosh. You know they picked on the Levites and the priests. You know they were probably pale because they were inside all the time. And they were weakly looking. And they just kind of walk. And you know, that, that, you know the priests, as they kind of walk by. They're like, <laughs> look at us, baby. You know, watch what happens. I'm going to blow my trumpet and the walls are going to fall, baby. I mean, I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens. When we, read, when we read the Bible, I mean, think about Gideon. He's facing all these big dudes. I mean, crazy odds against him. And God says, no, too many people, too many people, too many people. So he's down to 300 farmers with rakes and shovels and stuff. And what do they do? They take pots and they break them and they blow a trumpet. They make a sound. They worship the Lord and, and, the, and the kingdom of God comes. 
and he routes them. He destroys them because God gets the glory. And he says that in his story. So I will get the glory. So I will get the praise. That's just what he's about. That's what he's about. And so when it comes to, when it comes to the things in our life that are causing anxiety and stress, when it comes to the difficulties we're having as we grow our little church. You know, there's this, there's this building. I can't tell you a lot about it because we don't want to get... It's 100,000 square feet we're looking at in the middle of a poor community. It's getting ready to go up for bid. We got no money for it, nothing. We think God wants to give it to it. We think we're supposed to have this building. We don't know how we're going to get it. And I'm praying about that last night, and the Lord just says, worship me. That, what opposes us, is so easily dealt with by our God. If he wants us to have that, he'll give that to us. And God just was reminding me throughout the night, just worship me, just worship me. And those things will happen. Finances will happen, Antley. Don't worry about that. You'll grow, your growth will happen. You know, the fact that, you know, that we're crammed in here, that we have, you know, fire code issues with your children. You didn't hear that from me. <laughs> just when we have a combined service. But seriously, we know that that's not the best circumstance. That's not the best situation. We, we, we we're desperately trying to get out and to find a new place. And God knows that. And he says, just worship me. So today, we're going to worship God. And we're going to trust him with everything. You know, the first worship song, we're not going to pass the bags around. We're going to give opportunity for people to respond out of worship and offering to God. And all we did is we have these little boxes. See that little box that says offering right there? And there's one in the back. And if you want to respond to God and offer to God, then just bring it up as you feel led during worship. You know, during communion today, we're going to respond to God in worship. And communion today is going to be about worship. We're going to respond in thanksgiving for the veil that's been split that allows us to worship the Father. Everything about the rest of the service is going to be our effort to worship God in a way that is pleasing to him. You know, wouldn't it be a great thing if we begin to worship now, all these things kick into place, and our worries do fall aside, our stress, our anxiety, our problems, you know, issues that we don't have answers for, just take a back seat. We realize that God's in it with us and that that's enough. And that's what we want this morning. That's what God desires is that when we come, we come with all of our heart, with all of our effort pointed towards him, being led by the Holy Spirit into his presence, worshiping with the angels, worshiping with the saints who have gone before us in a way that's pleasing to God. I don't don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the service. We know we're going to have communion. That's it. But what happens, happens. But, but, but God's going to show up. And he's going to bless us. And we're going to experience his love. Let's stand. The band's going to come forward. We're going to begin.